the number one thing that I see people forbear, mm-hmm. student loan debt. Yeah. Student loan debt is is one of those things where people are like, you know what? I'll just pay that later. Right. Yeah. And they they defer it and they defer it and they defer it and they defer it. I know, and this is not an overstatement. I know it's gonna sound like hyperbole. I know 75, 76 year old grown ass adults live their life, got grandkids who still have student loans on forbearance. Mm. Never filed BK because you can't get rid of the BK. Can't get rid of it. It's the only debt you can't get rid of, right? Only debt you can't get rid of. Still have student loan debt to this day, and they swear they're never paying it. Mm. Think that through. So there should be a cause. I know we talked about this before. This you you shouldn't be able to file BK against it because everyone just filed for BK early. And would, but it, what if you had you dealt with it for like twenty five years and then you filed for BK? Hello, friends, and welcome to the Higher Standard Podcast, where we give you ultra-premium, unfiltered truth when it comes to building your wealth and curating the lifestyle of your dreams. No games, no drama, and no shenanigans. I am your host, Chris Nahibi, and I'm here to help you distill the immense amount of information and disinformation out there on the interwebs and give you the opportunity to choose a higher standard for yourself. There are no gurus here, and no one gives a damn about how wealthy you look. I'm an attorney and a banker, amongst other things. Does that mean you should listen to me? Hell no. This is just full disclosure that while we talk about money, wealth, law, investing, and a lot of related topics, you should always speak to your own advisors for an opinion tailored to your unique investment perspective. I am obligated to tell you that nothing contained in this show is in fact legal or investment advice and is being provided solely for entertainment purposes. So sit back, relax your mind, and get ready for a different kind of podcast where we elevate your baseline in crispy, high-resolution audio. This isn't a different standard. It's the higher standard. And we're back. Hello, everybody. Welcome back to the show. Why do you do this? I just like to look at you and you say, you 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 always smile at me like I'm the problem, man. Yeah, come on, lead the show. I am leading the show. I need some energy from you I'm leading it right into a wall. Don't use my words against me. This week from Business Week, most economists expect a U.S. recession in 2023. Mm. Yes, I just giggled a little bit. (laughs) But nailing the timing is a tall order. Mm -hmm. So as I read this, I I couldn't help but laugh because... We we've been calling that we are already in recession since January first, twenty twenty two, for a long time. Right. But this article from Business Week starts off with this sentence. This is not a joke. When it comes to forecasting recession, economists today have a wealth of tools and data. Do they now? They do. Yeah. Wealth. Wealth. See the play on words. <laughs> yeah. Wealth of tools and data. I've got a wealthy tool for you. <laughs> Even so, it's still more of an art than science. Is it? Not everybody's a laureate, Saeed. Not everybody. Not no. everybody's like you. No one at Ember? <laughs> the National Bureau of Economic Research might not actually have a laureate on staff. Mm-mm. That's probably why they struggle to see that we are in a recession now. You know, there's some rhetoric going around now that based on the last two GDP prints that we'll get into, the most recent one, and what's been going on with CPI, all this good data that's been coming out, that they're not going to declare what's happened earlier this year as a recession and whatever happens in 2023, that's what they'll declare a recession. Which is fine. I mean, I don't really care when you declare a recession. I'm not trying to be, you know, negative and sandbag. In of my course. mind, we've already been in one. Right. And in my mind, the layoffs, the turmoil, all the challenges, yeah, unemployment hasn't risen. Mm-hmm. But I would argue 
you can't go through an unprecedented time in an economy for 14 years, artificially hold down interest rates, have all these problems, right? and expect a traditional recessionary economy. We did untraditional shit to get here. Absolutely. That's the whole point. That's true. It is true. That's why I said it to you. Good man. Thank you. You are I'm a good glad, man as well. I'm glad we're on the same page. I feel like you're being a little chippy tonight, bro. You no, want to no, get into no, this? No. Do you want to do this with me? Do you want to start some problems? I haven't even read the second sentence to you, princess. You want to go? You felt my thighs. I did feel I'll your ta- thighs. I'll, I'll take you down. Shh, daddy's reading. Economists <laughs> who have had some noteworthy misses on inflation and GDP in recent years, not the chief economist of the higher standard, <laughs> are the first to admit that forecasting the timing of a downturn is practically impossible. I beg to differ. I bet you do beg to differ. <laughs> the exercise is akin to putting together the pieces of a puzzle with each economic indicator filling in part of an image. Mm. This is fucking news? <laughs> what is this? This is, this is what we're dealing with now? Business week. We got we to gotta be better than this. It goes on. Uh, does it? And they start throwing out technical terms and, and make it all sound artsy. Oh. But I want, we're going to break this down in English, okay? Okay, let's do it. The previous two recessions were the product of black swan events. Oh, okay. Translated loosely, a two and a half, stevi- two and a half standard deviation event that they like to say is unlikely from a probability standpoint. Mm-hmm. You can call it a black swan. I'll just call it the last two recessions. Right. <laughs> <laughs> the subprime mortgage crisis and a pandemic. Right. Come on. Come on, meow. Come on. Don't do this. Come on, meow. But the coming downturn may be one of the most anticipated in years. Okay, I'm sorry. Yeah. One of the most anticipated? So, now it's yeah. a fucking hit movie? Yeah. yeah. Is that what we're going with? You're flip-flopping. This is a very confusing article. It's very confusing. Recession and, and predicting one? It's more art than science. They didn't mention the National Bureau of Economic Research. Yeah. They didn't mention two quarters of negative GDP growth. They didn't mention anything that has to do with actually declaring a recessionary economy. Right. This article literally says nothing. Right. Nothing. How many people follow, enter, do me a favor? How many people follow Business Week? I'm actually kind of curious now. And this would be a good time in the podcast to note that we gave Arun, the intern, a microphone. Say hi. Hello, everyone. Except and he's not allowed to use it until we take him <laughs> off mute. <laughs> you got to earn these stripes. <laughs> so that's enough laughing out of you. You're back on mute. Yeah. All right. No, so he actually pulled it up. So Bloomberg Business Week has 3.4 million followers on Instagram. Yeah, we need to get these guys over to the higher standard. Three point more. Three point more. I can't. I'm, I'm in style. <laughs> Three point more fill your followers. Yeah, come on yeah. now. It's look, man, and this is the problem. So some of the stuff, like, look, I get a lot of their 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 articles are good, but how much of this is because you just needed to post some? Yeah. I mean, nothing was said. I mean, what what did they say? Most most economists expect a U.S. recession in 2023, but nailing the timing is a tall order. Based on what? Yeah, exactly. What, what does that say? And I understand this is a teaser. You're supposed to click the article, go through. But this is the kind of stuff that pisses me off. So what happens? People will repost this and they'll look at it and they'll be like, oh my God, most economists feel this way. They're not going to click and go to the article. And if they're like me and they're cheap and they're not paying for it anyway, mm-hmm. right? You're not even going to get access to some of these articles. Mm-hmm. My point is this, is you're putting out these headlines out there as clickbait. Yeah. You're trying to scare people. Yeah, they're trying to say most economists feel this way, but you know a bunch of people who did not feel this way? Mm, who? Were the elite people at the World Economic Forum? Oh, you've been, you've been foaming at the mouth to bring this up. No, because I forgot to bring it up on the last episode, and it, it's kind of upsetting. I don't understand what's going on here. Because the World Economic Forum is a bunch of elitists? Yeah, so the type of people that are invited to this place in Switzerland. Yeah, right? So, stop right there. First of all, <laughs> I, I, have a, I have a friend who went. Yeah. Like, I, I know... 
a friend who really? went, yeah, he went to the World Economic Forum and he's like, are you going to go? And I'm like, nah, bro, I'm poor. <laughs> yeah, exactly. He went on a private jet, bro. They, they, they didn't send me the invite. Yeah, he took his PJ, you know, the jammies, <laughs> and, and he flew over there. <laughs> yeah. And he's like, oh, traffic in Switzerland is so bad. I'm just walking. I'm one of the poor people. I'm like, bro. Right. Get right. the fuck out of here. The type of people that get invited to this thing, heads of states, finance ministers, central bankers, and hundreds of CEOs. Yeah, not me. Yeah. Just for the record, I was <laughs> yeah. not invited. Yeah. And even if I did go, I can't, I can't ball right. like these guys. So, so I'm, out, I'm out. So some of the reporters that, that got that invite to come, right? And imagine, imagine being a reporter that got an invite to come there. I mean, how much money's getting swayed your way? It was in uh, Davos, Switzerland, right? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Not a cheap place. N- Dude, it's one of the most expensive <laughs> places in the world. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So apparently the reporters are saying that the mood was described as optimistic and that we aren't headed for any major economic problems. Because everybody there's balling. <laughs> Ball so like, hard. This, this is like every rich dude you know getting together going like, you know, I remember what it's like to buy a Swatch watch. <laughs> exactly. They weren't that bad. Right. Exactly. <laughs> like, that's what that's like. Right. It's like, they don't know. So, yeah, most uh, these people don't feel this way. But no. anyways. Look, they're all smart people from a financial perspective. But I would argue that it's hard for them to appreciate the impact of a recessionary economy because they're not going to feel it the way you mean everybody else will. You and me, huh? You grew now, now, Mister PJ Jammies I just with said, the black I card. No, I don't have yeah, a PJ, listen, bro. Listen, listen, come on, you. Well, we've taken PJs. Come on now, weave. Yeah. You, you and you me, know, as in you. You said weave. In, yeah, yeah. Come this on. Very confusing. I think you're talking about somebody else. I don't think you really mean me. <laughs> come on now. I'm a good, humble, upstanding American, bro. Right. I believe in capitalism. Mm-hmm. And I was not invited to the World Economic Forum. I feel like these type of people would never want to admit that there's true economic problems. Because they don't want anyone to panic. They do, man. The problem is what comes out of the World Economic Forum is never what I would call like a, a true picture from an econ- economic. It's not an economist take on things. Right. It, it's a bunch of people in business and industries take on things. And a lot of times it's more about them from a networking perspective in my mind than it is from them actually. But it sounds cool, right? It sounds big. Oh, the World Economic Forum. It's in Davos, Switzerland. Right. It's like the Olympics or something. It's this elitist thing. And it's like, okay, but they're not going to really speak to what's happening in like a community banking environment where I would say, oh, you're on the ground. Right. It's not like Jamie Dimon, who I'm sure is probably invited to something like this. Mm-hmm. But it's not like him talking about what he's seeing from the banking sector. Right. I mean, you got, I think the CEO of Deloitte was there and a bunch of other people were there too. But, a bunch of people were there, right? But what I'll say is, is like, I, I don't know how much of this you can take home because so, so I've been to a lot of these forums like on the East Coast and, and some of which I've been a spectator, some of which I've been invited to. Mm-hmm. Ball so hard. It, stop. Mm-hmm. I said, this is why I can't share stories with you, bro. I'm sorry, I'm sorry. I don't even want to tell you no more. <laughs> I, I, I want to know, please. Next topic. Come on. No, don't do this. Nah, man. I don't want I don't, to. You're being elitist, bro. No. You're just like the World Economic Forum to me, bro. Yeah. Come on now. Oh, both so hard. Hey, so I've been to some of these things, man. And I'll tell you right now, there's always some kind of political spin or there's like some something that's really like that relevant for them that they want to talk about. Mm-hmm. And that gets all the coverage. And so much of the things that matter to the everyday consumer are tertiary at best. Mm-hmm. So I'm just saying like you hear some of this stuff and you hear how impactful it is. Not so big. At the same time, according to Bloomberg Business, Two in three Americans can't cover a $400 emergency expense. Why isn't that a topic at the World Economic Forum? You want to know why? Because the two in three Americans aren't invited there. Right. This ain't a problem for them. Right. It's true. So, and this this article is sad too. And I don't mean to be depressing, but it, it it's just sad. 
One in three Americans can comfortably cover a $400 emergency expense, according to a new survey uh, data from Suzy Orman's emergency saving startup. Right. Suzy Orman should have a Y on it, right? But it doesn't. <laughs> yeah. It's spelled, spelled Suze. I'm, yeah. I'm not the person. No, whatever. No. It's not your fault. That number reflects the share of people who wouldn't have to, a, to tap a credit card or take out a loan for an unexpected $400 cost. Man. Based on online polling of about 1,100 American adults, which granted is not a huge poll, but, but I mean, enough. There should be more than one out of every three. Right, yeah. Many people are forced to carry balances on credit cards with growing interest rates as others are priced out of apartments or facing repossession of their cars. That's the part that I was like, God Yeah, damn. man, I know. The article said that in 2023, credit card delinquencies will likely go through the roof, and a big reason they haven't yet is due to forbearances. So for those that don't know what a forbearance is, right, I think a lot of people confuse it for something like a deferment, but they're not. They're two different things. When you when you have forbearance on a loan, you know, you stop making payments on it, and the lender generally allows you to stop making payments on it, but the interest still accrues. Yeah. Yeah. Right, whereas a deferment will stop your payments and interest won't continue to grow. So these terms are tossed around a lot back and forth. Right. And people misuse them because sometimes an organization will actually give you a forbearance, but they'll call it a deferment. Mm -hmm. So you can defer your student loans. What they're really talking about is a forbearance in most cases. Exactly. Bottom line, one variant doesn't collect interest. The other one does. In almost all instances, you're going to wind up getting the variant that charges interest still. Exactly, so if you're applying for this, you wanna right. make sure you clarify, right? Well, it doesn't really matter at this point. If you're applying for it, you should need it. Yes. And, and either way, you're probably gonna want it, whether it's gonna rack up interest or not. Right. You don't have to pay the interest on a forbearance until later though. Sometimes you get a forbearance for two or three months, mm -hmm. and then at the end of the two or three months, you have to pay, pay it current. Right. And sometimes they'll just add it on the back side of your loan. If you have a 30-year mortgage, they'll just add it on the back and amortize it over the 30-year course of your loan, so there's an incremental increase to you. Right. Sometimes they just add it straight to the back of your loan if it's a single family resident. So, you know, it can be done several different ways based on how the amortization works. But what I'll tell most people, the number one thing that I see people forbear, mm -hmm. student loan debt. Yeah. Student loan debt is is one of those things where people are like, you know what? I'll just pay that later. Right. Yeah. And they, they defer it and they defer it and they defer it and they defer it. I know and this is not an overstatement. I know it's going to sound like hyperbole. I know 75, 76-year-old, grown-ass adults live their life, got grandkids who still have student loans on forbearance. Mm. Never filed BK because you can't get rid of them in the BK. Can't get rid of it. It's the only debt you can't get rid of, right? Only debt you can't get rid of. Still have student loan debt to this day, and they swear they're never paying it. Mm. Think that through. So there should be a cause. I know we talked about this before. This You, you shouldn't be able to file BK against it because everyone just filed for BK early. And, but it, what if you had you dealt with it for like 25 years and then you filed for BK? Were you using this, this special circumstance? You just wait it out? Like, why is that okay? No, I'm just saying. You, but now you now it's 25 years later and you got to deal with a BK on your credit report? I yeah. mean, that, that's something. Well, I mean, if you let the ra interest rack up, but even if it was $10,000 in loans originally, you let the interest rack up for 25 years? Yeah. That's a lot of money, bro. That's what I'm saying. But now if you wait 25 years, I mean, that might be an option. That well, they should consider. They're not considering it. Yeah, I know. <laughs> yeah. They will not consider yeah, not, it. Yeah. Not, why would the government give up their position? Yeah. Plus, they got a debt ceiling. They're going broke. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Can't make those bond payments, bro. That's true. It's so, very, very true. Yeah, no, it's, it's not a thing. So look, so two two and three Americans can't cover a $400 emergency expense. This is now. This is what credit card, you know, 
debt rising. This is with non-household debt rising. This mm-hmm. is all the things on the horizon that that don't look good for consumer spending. And yet here we are. And I'm going like, damn, man, if this is what it is now, right now. Right. It doesn't take much. If you start racking up credit card debt, even if you pay the minimum payment on some of these credit cards, mm-hmm. that's like 10, 15 grand. And you're, you're, you're going to be paying and this, this $400 is, a month. We're, we've gotten to this point only because the money supply is shrinking. Uh, yeah. The shrinking money supply. You know, when you make good segues, it just, it just <laughs> makes me feel all warm and fuzzy. That's, that's what I do. Shrinking money supply. Yeah. It's like you do homework for these shows sometimes. Sometimes. According to the Barons, money supply shrinks for the first time. Claiming shrinkage. Why? Why? It's, it's right there. I had it, to. It, it was there. What it says about inflation in the economy. Well, I'll tell you exactly what it says. The money supply growth rate for December was a negative 1.3% versus a year ago. Mm-hmm. The lowest ever. I'm pausing for emphasis. And making the first ever decline in M2-based on all data available. The Fed started tracking the metric in 1959. November's growth was already at 0.01%, well below the peak of 27% growth in February of 2021. Right. So I did a little bit of homework and research on this. Uh, no, sh- no shit. Uh, on, previous, on previous episodes, we talked about um, giving updates to quantitative tightening and how that's going for the Fed. QT. Yeah, QT, baby. That's when that's how the Fed is taking money out of the system, right? It's partially how the Fed is taking money out of the system. It, partially, exactly. So, uh, so far, for, for the month of December, they were able to take out $34 billion mm. out of the economy, right? A couple of bills, no big deal. Yeah, per week. It was week one. They took out just under $2 billion. Week two, about $1.3 billion. Week three, eighteen point five billion, and week four, twelve point four five billion. We're that's, gonna link down from the previous couple months, right? It is. Yeah. So November's no, in November they were able to remove just shy of seventy nine billion dollars. We'll link the show notes. Yeah. I put the link in there for people if they ever want to go in and, and check it Did out. Did you put the link in the show notes? I feel like you mean me. No, all the way down at the bottom, I show you where you can go to check to see how yeah. much they're taking out. You put the link into our notes. I put the link into the show notes. Let's not be disingenuous. What? what? No, no, this right here, all yeah. the way down, all the way down. Those Keep going. are the notes for Keep going our right there. show. Source of New York Fed website, domestic security holdings. Yeah, come on, meow. Come on now. I'm the one who's going to put this in notes for everybody else. Oh, you're going to do it. Yeah, 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 yeah See, yeah, that's yeah. a misrepresentation. But that's because you don't delegate you're yet. I want, to give, I want to give that to Odun. I'm not going to delegate, bro. Why? Because Why? I don't delegate. We're, we're all friends and family here, bro. <laughs> you're right. You're right. If y'all really want to do it, you would take it from me, bitch. Yeah, I know. What? That's the way he thinks. That's <laughs> yeah. the way he thinks. So that's how I roll. The article stated that households are still sitting on much of the 2020 deposits referring to the stimmies. I'm like, come on, man. The type of people that got those stimmies. That's not true. That's not true. Yeah. Yeah, That's spent already. So the savings rate has plunged, which is only the rate of people's savings. Mm -hmm. But savings itself has not fully started to run off. But it has dropped to a notable degree in the last couple of months. I don't have the data on that. But um, I've read several articles at this point in time. Which the So if you're going to look this up, Arun, look up household savings versus household savings rate. Yes. Because the rate is really just what it sounds like. It's the rate of people which we save. Mm-hmm. So once that goes negative, you start seeing household savings go down. The Fed, yeah, personal savings rate. There you go. That's that's the difference. That's only going to tell you the, the pace. But go ahead and click that on it anyway. Let's take a look at it. Yeah. So, well, yeah. So if you look at this chart, 
for those of you who would like a visual, mm-hmm. it spikes way, way up from from normal in 2022 and 2020. Right. Came down a little bit and then spiked back up a little bit, which mm-hmm. you wouldn't you can easily say those two were stimulus rounds. Right. And then has now fallen to a low, far lower than any number since 1960 all the way to now. Crazy, man. Yeah. So this is the lowest personal savings rate. Right. Which means the rate of people actually saving, again, not the totals that we have. Look up household savings, not, uh, and we'll see what that number is. So what is the current U.S. household savings, not savings rate, though? So uh, for for those that are listening that wonder, like, so how does this actually work, like, step by step how the fed pulls money out of the system how how are they able to accomplish this by raising the fed funds rate higher rates means consumers have to pay more interest on their mortgages if they get one auto loans and credit cards thereby depleting their cash reserves if on and then how that affects everything else in the economy if cash reserves get depleted then loan deposit ratios hurt banks from lending you're trying to figure out this graph huh <laughs> so you're looking at the household savings of every country. So go down to highlighted countries and click the down. There yeah. you go. Now pick United States. Good man. I've been I've been in this game for a little bit. I know I know. Done this done this once All or right, twice. Close that. So the, so what you see is the U.S. savings actually didn't spike up at the same time the rate did, which is a curious observation, right? Mm-hmm. So what happened is is around 2020. So move the cursor a little bit out of the way. Thank you. So what you'll see is around 2020, you saw a spike in household savings. It didn't spike anywhere near as much as the rate, but to keep, in, to keep this in perspective, if the rate of savings increases, it has to increase dramatically. Think of that as like the numerator versus the denominator. Mm-hmm. There's more in the denominator already with household savings. Right. So you have to add significantly to household savings to see a bump there, and the rate has to increase way more than that to have that significant increase. Right. So you saw a massive increase way out of the normal scale going back to 2000 to 2020 in 2020 due to the stimulus and some of this you know some of this the this pandemic spending and all the stuff that we're doing there right right but it has dropped down almost back to where it was pre-pandemic in 2018 already which is insane so that huge amount of savings that giant blip up for it to come down so quick is gone in essentially two years yeah so for us to think, oh my God, like all this savings is out there and people are still okay. I don't believe that. And I think this graph pretty much shows you that it's not, it's not right. true. So what, what's the numbers there? So it, it spiked up to 17.5 mm-hmm. and dropped down to 12.4 currently. What was it before it was at 17.5? So it was at 9.1. 9.1. So you've gone from 9.1 to 17.5. Let, almost let, doubled. Almost doubled. And now you're down to, you know only three above right so i mean you can see how it, it's come down pretty dramatically so yeah if you, want, if you want to quantify it which is absolutely insane for, i mean that just yeah that's 2021 data so 2022 is probably even lower than that i mean you can attribute all that just solely just to rates where rates are i mean you, you know paying minimum payments on all your debts isn't going to get you anywhere you know and god i, I shudder to say this but i've had a couple conversations with people it's weird man so I don't consider myself to be a subject matter expert on any of this stuff, as, as stupid as that sounds, being that we have a podcast and we talk about it to people. Right. But I get approached by people all the time, like, hey, like, help me in my financial position. I mean, it's that's it, awesome. It's either DMs or, you know, whatever. But re- respectful for them to, like, reach out and understand <sighs> that there's an issue that they need help with. So, but I always try to address the underlying psychology, right? Anytime someone comes to me with, with one of these problems, first of all, shout out to, you know, kudos to those people 
it takes a lot of balls to say, I want to fix this and I'm going to talk to somebody about it. Right. I respect that a lot. It can be embarrassing. Right. You know, so I don't ever judge anybody, but I usually walk through the psychology of why they're in the position that they're in. Because when you think about it at its like basic human level, when mm-hmm. it comes to spending, right, it shouldn't be that hard. Like, I don't make enough to pay for this. Exactly. But it, it doesn't work that way. You want to go out with your friends and get drinks. Mm-hmm. You want to fill a void, so you shop. You buy stuff. Buy now, pay later for pizza, bro. I mean, that's a thing, right? And just we've we've become we've become so accustomed to living this lifestyle beyond our means that and for for so long. Well, think about the peer pressure that adds to it. It's easy to make people feel bad because they're in the situation, but when you start unpacking why they're in the situation, it's really sad, man. Yeah, I know. There's underlying things beyond just the lack of financial literacy that happens to people. A lot. I, this happens a lot. A lot of people that come up to me and talk to me about this kind of stuff, and this is so sad. They're talking about, I, I'm getting a divorce, uh, or I broke up with my my partner, or, or um, you know, I left my parents' house, and I'm they fill a void. Mm-hmm. So in some cases, like, oh, the other person handled the finances. I have no idea. Yeah. Then it's then it's like you and know then, what I handled the fi- I have my own finances. We had separate accounts, but I feel like I should go out and have a good time. And it's and it and it's always a situation, right, where they feel like they're coming and they're trying to resolve the issue when it's uh, maybe you know too late when they should have addressed it early on. Well, here's the problem: is they still have the math still works against them, right? They have they have credit cards usually, right? They're paying the minimum payment. Mm-hmm. They can't afford to pay more than that because they still want to go out and live life. Mm-hmm. So if you haven't addressed the underlying psychological problem. This will only get worse with time. It won't get better. So let's say let's say someone like that does address the you know behavioral economics first, and they understand what the what the root issue is, and they solve that, and they've racked up some of this credit card debt. Mm-hmm. How would you recommend that they tackle that? So the first thing I tell people, most people is like, look, like you got to tell me what your income and expense is. Right. You got you got to tell me what that is because if I don't know how much money you could be saving every single month, mm-hmm. or and I don't know how, what you're spending on, I can't help you help yourself. Right. But what I typically do is I'll write down the debt that, that's concerning to them on a, on a board or like on a piece of paper. And I'll just try to frame it. And what you'll almost always find with people when you do this with them is the number they tell you up front is never the full number of the aggregate debt. It's always short. Mm-hmm. It's almost always short. Yeah. And it's almost like a little bit of embarrassment, yet this like psychological just predisposition to like, oh, I don't know. I mean, we had that article a couple months ago. People were afraid to open up their statements. Or their and it's true. Cards. Yeah. So what they do is they put their, their credit card on auto pay for the minimum payment. Right. And they just don't look at it. Yeah, man. They just don't look. There's no reason to look unless you open up your accounts and it happens to be on your bank account. But if you have a separate credit card account, you're not looking at the app unless you really want to. And why would you want to? Right. I mean- you should be looking at it, not just for your own per, your own finance sake, but I mean, identity theft is also a real thing. So you want to. It is. But these are all the things that feed into it. It's, it's, it's a very parasitic cycle. That's why identity theft can happen the way that it does. Mm-hmm. If you're afraid to look at your credit card balance, how long is it going to take you to notice identif- identity theft? I know. Exactly. How long is it going to take you to know that somebody you know, took your card and charged it up? Right. So I look at this stuff and that was always the first place I start. And then I always say, OK, well, here's your lowest balance. Why don't you try paying that off first? And almost invariably, people will say, I can't do that. Which, by the way, is what Dave Ramsey preaches. Mm. Um, and I go, why can't you do that? Oh, because I just, I can't, I can't, I don't want to give up and change and not do this or not do that. And everyone will come up with their own manufacturer, their own reason. Mm-hmm. And the sad part about that is your underlying psychology 
won't let you get past and fix this problem. Right. Yet this problem makes you feel bad, which mm -hmm. is another psychology challenge. Right. It, it's it's running really, around in circles, it's right? It's a circular problem. It's chicken egg argument, man. And it's, it's really, yeah. really, really sad. You got to sit down and define the difference between your wants and your needs. And people think like, oh, you know, it's just stupid people. It's not. A lot of smart people mm -hmm. have this problem. Right. A lot of really, really intelligent people who are just walking around every single day, have a seemingly great life, are in debt like this, and it haunts them. Right. And it's the stress in their back, and they just live with the stress, and they just live. It's progressive load, right? It started off with $100 in debt, mm -hmm. and a couple thousand dollars in debt, and then it's tens of thousands of dollars in debt. Yeah. And there's no immediate way to pay it off, and right. it's just like this, this, this big pain that they're carrying around on their shoulder. But this is like if you if you can get this resolved and, and get a proper plan set in place, I mean, the weight of the world will come off your shoulders. It will, but you also can't save when you're in situations like this either. It, it gets it gets more and more difficult. I agree. Yeah. So yeah. I'm, and oh god, this happens a lot too. A lot of young people will come to me and say, "Hey, like, should I file bankruptcy?" And they'll have like twelve thousand dollars in debt, and you're mm -hmm. like, "No." You shouldn't file bankruptcy. You should work your way out of it, right? Yeah. But that's legitimately what they think. They're like, well, I'm young. By the time I'm ready to buy a house, I'll be able to save because I'll be paying these payments. Oh. And this happens a lot, man. And it's it happens probably a couple times a month. Right. And I have to go, like, listen, like, I know bankruptcy well. And I'll tell you straight up, like, that that's not an economically viable path for you, not to mention the fact that you don't have enough debt. Right. Imagine having to explain that the rest of your life, too. Well, I mean, seven years it drops off. So most people, this is the way kids think these days. And I, it's sad. They're like, look, if I file bankruptcy now, I get rid of all this. It'll probably take me seven years to save up the money to buy a home. Mm -hmm. So, you know, for seven years, I'll save and save and save. And by the time I need to buy a home, but the bankruptcy's falling off. So it's a win-win for me. Yeah, man. But I don't know. A lot can change in just two years, too. That's what I always tell them. Like, yeah. You could be, you know, you could you be could, married by the time. You could, could find kids. Mr. or Mrs. Right. And the next thing you know, you're put, stuck in this position where you can't do anything. So, you don't want to be that person. It's a sad thing, and I, I, it's not lost on me that a lot of what we talk about on the show can be very negative, but, you know, I mean, I guess we could talk about some positive things, like a Forbes article, what to know <laughs> where house prices are, are heading in 2023, watch mortgage rates, want right. to know, yeah. Sorry. Yeah. You want to know? I do. I want to know right now. You want to know right now yeah. where house prices are heading in 2023? <laughs> yeah, right now. Well, then you, sir, you need to watch mortgage rates. <laughs> okay. <laughs> where are they at? <laughs> So I should point out, this is a Forbes article, right? So my problem with Forbes articles are sometimes they can be bought. Mm -hmm. This one didn't say sponsored, but it did come from a contributor. Okay. So a little fun fact about the real estate economy. The realtor's answer to un an affordability issue mm -hmm. is always the same thing. Mortgage rates are too high. Always. If mortgage rates were lower there wouldn't be an affordability crisis because they don't want their commissions to go down because they get a commission off selling the price of the home, which mm -hmm. they would like to continue to grow upward. Exactly. So you'll see that some of these articles have the National Association of Realtors behind them. They might have some pressure. But this particular article was interesting. Since exceeding 7% in October, 30-year mortgage costs have fallen back slightly to close to 6%. That largely reflects, reflects moves in long-term interest rates more broadly, which also moved up sharply in 2022, but have eased back from the highest levels reached in the fall. Right. But keep in mind, as the date of this recording, which is Thursday the 26th, we got a Fed interest rate hike coming just in one week. Just in one week. Now, we know that rates don't necessarily rise and fall 
with the Fed, when the Fed moves, but they tend to stay somewhat on par with them, right? So maybe the 25 basis points that everyone's predicting is, is that's going to get raised um, next week. It's a foregone been, conclusion. That's foregone, what happened. It, but maybe maybe that 25 basis points is already baked in, but we know that there's another meeting in March, right? Yeah, we don't, and I don't think that was as galvanized as people think. I think the one in March is still very much a maybe. Right, especially off of that uh, GDP number. That just came out mm-hmm. today, but we'll get into that in a little bit. We can get into it now. No, don't you want to get into this more? No, I'm going to talk trash on home prices for a while. We got plenty of time. <laughs> we got plenty of time. Plenty of time. Well, for home price, okay. So the GDP number came out. Did you see this? I did not. Really? Or I, maybe I just want to say. <laughs> yeah, I, I expect I, better from you. Nah, I, was, I was busy today, man. Yeah. I, my, boy, my boy was uh, running an earnings call. I was on an earnings call today. Yeah. yeah, we are a public trade institution. That's what we do. Yeah, so you're like, so I didn't, think, can I, I admit to this? Yes, I, yes, I, I did. I did not have time to see the GDP <laughs> rose two point nine percent. It's also as, on the screen <laughs> as I, as I didn't pulled it up. Yeah, right. So the GDP rose two point nine percent year over year for Q four. Yeah. Q three was three point two percent. For the whole year, it rose two point one percent. Right. So some interesting factors, right? So the G- GDP is broken down into four categories, investments, consumption, net exports, and government spending on goods and services, okay? Two of the things that stood out the most in this report were non-residential fixed investments, okay? And this is often considered the sector that's most critical to, to sustaining an economic Economic expansion. Man, why do I sound like Chris when I'm reading today? You sound like a lot like me. You're choking. I love it. You doing it, not me doing it. It's often considered the sector most critical to sustaining an economic expansion as well as contributing to the longer term growth of the economy. Okay. What this basically means is this this part of the report has to do with new construction, improvements to existing structures, right? Um, Putting up buildings and IP ideas and so forth. Okay. We're seeing a deceleration in this, okay? That's a long way to go for the word new, deceleration. Yeah. No, for new structures, all that, that's going down. So, mind you, this is considered the sector that's critical to sustaining a healthy economy. Now, the the other section, private inventory investment, this part went up, okay? Mm-hmm. And what this part of the report does is basically companies are stockpiling inventories, right? And generally, you would think that they're stockpiling because business is good. But what they're saying is they're stockpiling inventories because they're afraid of supply shortages. And because people aren't buying. And because people aren't buying, exactly. So if this this number... If I do recall correctly, consumer spending or, or purchasing went down, right? Mm-hmm. Yes. Yeah. But so if private inventory investment was taken out of the GDP number, mm-hmm. GDP would have only risen 1.4%. Yeah. I think you've seen a, a true deceleration of GDP. And it would not surprise me if you started to see some negative GDP numbers in the next mm, quarter, maybe two. Mm-hmm. Yeah, exactly. So, and then that that could be, in theory, this this recessionary kickoff. But you know, I'm I, I, at this point, GDP has been so kind of like bastardized by some of the stuff the White House has said, and and some of the stuff that we've seen the economy's job numbers that people are pushing back on. As far as I'm concerned, again, I'll say it uh, yet another time. I think we've been in a recession since January first, twenty twenty two. Right. I think everything that we're seeing now is because it's going to be a prolonged recession because we had a prolonged period of economic prosperity for 14 years. Right. And I think some of these numbers aren't acting like they normally would in a recessionary economy because it's been a very, very weird 14 years Mm -hmm. and we pumped things up too far. 
And uh, look, I, as much as I think GDP is an indicator and it's a great indicator for things like a recessionary economy, especially when you have two successive quarters of negative GDP growth, mm-hmm. I would also argue that the current numbers are overinflated and they will take time to move. And they're skewed. Right. Yeah. So in this in this report, PCE came out for, for all of Q4. Core inflation. But not... But but not the December reading. December reading actually comes out tomorrow. Yeah, core inflation removing right. um, personal consumption, which also removes food, food and energy. energy yeah. Right, that's up three point two percent, down from the four point three percent in Q four. So it looks like it's heading in the right direction. But when you remove food and energy, and mind you, this is the inflation number that the Fed looks at. Mm-hmm. It's at three point nine percent. So when yeah. you remove food and energy, it's up higher actually. So. And I expect, well, which is ironic to me because in my mind, food prices have gone up. Bacon, eggs, all the, all the good breakfast stuff up. Right. I'm fatty. <laughs> uh, but yeah, it's, again, some of these numbers just don't make sense. They're not behaving what I, and I think in a traditional way. And I think it's also what's throwing off the market. Right. I think that's why so many people are going like, oh, the stock market's bottom out. Or, oh, home prices are, you know, they're going to go, they're going to stay where they are. Well, I think a lot of these numbers that we expect to see move aren't moving the way they're supposed to because, again, we're in a very unique time. We're trying to, Take all these recessionary economies that that came before it and try to shoehorn this one into a oh it was just like Volcker in eighty you know eighty eighty one or oh it was like the fintech bubble or oh it was like the Great Recession. Mm-hmm. Well, no, it's, it's it's its own little special unicorn that we created and and for people to go oh well you know we had a recession in twenty twenty no man the yeah. pandemic recession was not a recession that was the government shutting down right exactly okay yeah. that's not the same thing you can call it a recession I guess it meets and here's the part that leaves me scratching my head it frustrates the shit out of me. We call that a recession. Right. But we know the only reason GDP went from positive to negative for two successive quarters is because we shut the fucking economy down. But then they want to declare that a recession. You declare that a recession. But then now, Mm -hmm. when the economy does it in and of itself on its own with the economy open, we say, whoa, whoa, everybody. Right. This two two successive quarters of negative GDP growth is not always a recession. I know the last 10 recessions. Yeah, change the definition. Were declared, but this one, this one, this one's different. Mm-hmm. Okay, if it's so different, why are we all so shocked? The numbers that we see being reported aren't moving. Right. It's supposed to be different, right? Y'all said that. That's what it was. Exactly. Yet we're sitting here denying that we're in a recessionary economy. Does it matter? Right. We're in some kind of bad economy. Something, something not good comes next. Right. And if you go back to the first article. A lot of really smart economists, they just don't know. It's more art than science. It's more of an art, exactly. They just don't know. And as stupid as that headline is, it's accurate. Right. But they're not saying why it's accurate. It's accurate because we're seeing very, very weird things from unprecedented things that came before it. Plus. Unprecedented period of 14 years of artificial interest rate deflation. Unprecedented period of Fed interest rate increases. And an unprecedented podcast that's dire. Yeah, I have a five-star review. No, honest five-star review. Honest five-star review. Honest. We need those. Yeah. Of course. What's the benefit of denying that we're in a recession? The benefit? Yeah. There's like, not there's is, not there's not there's everyone... no public outrage if there's if you cuz the, the thought and this is what I think, right? If if you declare there's a recession, if you declare there's a recession and there's public outrage, there's that could create all kinds of instability in the market. So the losses that people start experience, experiencing Maybe they're afraid of where the market's going to go. They could all start pulling their money out the market. And what would that do to the market? Mm, yes and no. So keep in mind the context of timing when this all occurred. 
we came out of one of the most polarizing political environments ever. Mm-hmm. The Republicans and the Democrats are so polarized now themselves within their party. You have to be very, very left or very, very right. And you can't even be somewhere in the middle anymore and get elected. And if you want to be a Democrat, you got to be all the way Democrat. You want to be a Republican, you got to be all the way Republican. There's nobody who can have Republican-like tendencies and be a Democrat anymore and still have like team support. Mm-hmm. And I would say everything post-Trump was very, very polarized, right? Right. We get into Biden's presidency. And Biden's got his political team on his back. He was very controversial when he got into office. A lot of people didn't like him. A lot of people still don't like him. A lot of people didn't think he was fit for the job. Yeah, a lot of people look point to some of his behaviors and memory issues. There's a lot of reasons from a power perspective, from a political perspective, that these parties don't want their president to be the one who allowed a recessionary economy. But Chris, the National Bureau of Economic Research is a private, nonprofit, nonpartisan organization. 100% it is, which is why the White House can't unilaterally pressure them behind the scenes because people will still speculate. Mm -hmm. So they have to come out and proactively say, hey, 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 the definition of recession is not this. I challenge anyone, Mm -hmm. anyone to go back and look in the last 20 to 50 years at recessionary economies mm-hmm. and find one that had two negative quarters of GDP growth successfully that wasn't a recessionary economy. 10 out of the last 10. 10 out of the last 10. And if you go back, that's a lot of recessionary economies. Yeah. So, and especially over a long period of time, keep in mind the average recessionary economy comes, you know, seven to 10 years, trough to trough for prosperous economy to, to prosperous economy. And there's a recessionary economy in the middle. Yeah. So you're talking 10 years, talking almost 100 years in some cases. Right. So look, I look at this and you it's politics, man. I hate to say that because this show is not a political show, but it's politics. That's exactly what it is. No party now because it's so polarized is willing to to show the weakness, the soft underside of their belly that they allowed this to happen because guess what? Oh my god, the Democrats caused a recession. Well, now the Democrats blame it on the Republicans. Mm-hmm. Well, your president's in office. We want somebody besides your president. We want a Republican because the Democrats fucked it all up. Right. And that's the narrative that they're afraid of. So, of course, they're trying to change it. That's got to be part of it. So, I mean, some form or another, it's outrage that they're afraid of. And then you walk into the midterms, right? The midterms had things like the Inflation Reduction Act passed (laughs) passed the way that it did. Student loan uh, forgiveness, which was illegal on day one. And a lot of these things which are really politically motivated. And they appeal to people's intentions with titling. That's why you have to be very careful the titling of these bills, man. A lot of them are titled just to get you to vote because they know you're never going to fucking read the thing. Never. Yeah. Never. If anything, you'll skim an article of somebody else who read the thing. Right. But that being said, like, then they know what, guess what happens next? After the midterms, November 2024, November 5th, the next election. So, yeah, it, it's all politically driven, man. I hate to say it, but it, it is what it is. Mm-hmm. I agree. I bet you do agree. I think it's still to keep some stability in the financial markets too, though. And I, well, look, and that's all well and good, especially with, I bet Pelosi was behind that too. Oh, you saw that? Yeah, I did see Sold that. Sold off a bunch of Google stock. Sold off a bunch of Google stock. That was conveniently done, wasn't it? I mean, that's not, the, not her first time. Not her first time. Well, technically her husband, yeah, not yeah. her. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's, it's not Nancy. It's her <laughs> husband, that mischievous little fella. But she also is, is not the only politician. She's the one that's constantly getting called out. So I'll put but it to you in a different context. All the politicians are doing this. Arun, do me a favor. Can you Google the salary of Nancy Pelosi? This <laughs> is hilarious. Yeah, no, I, I know. It's hilarious. Nancy Pelosi net worth. Oh, that's a great one. So 
Congressional salary of $223,500 per year. Speaker of the House. Speaker of the House. Click on her net worth. Let's, let's get the number. She's 82, so she's a youngin. 82, huh? Yeah. Wow. Pelosi holds an estimated net worth of $120 million, according to Finti. An increase in her net worth of just under $115 million in 2019, wow. as estimated by Open Secrets. So... You're making $223,500 a year. Right. Okay. Well, here you go. Pelosi, the highest paid member of Congress with a congressional salary of $223,500 a year. You know how I heard she made that much money? Mm. She invested in Vanguard VOO. Did she really? Yeah, that's $120 million. Wait, go back. But her official, her official financial interest in speaking engagements bring more than $1 million per year. <laughs> All right. Bob's Who do you think is paying the Speaker of the House for speaking engagements? <laughs> Who do you think is doing that? Right. Okay, I mean, I'm just saying. Do you think they're gonna Lobbyists. have a yeah. Yeah, exactly lobbyist? They're gonna have a vested financial interest in 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 you speaking. It's not because they think that you're entertaining, right? I'm not being. I'm just saying. But you have a hundred and twenty million dollar net worth. Yeah. That's corruption, boys and girls. That's mm-hmm. what that is. Right. Say what you want. Mm-hmm. That doesn't happen on accident. Yeah. A hundred and twenty million dollars. I understand you're 82 years old. It's all good. But <laughs> it's all good. $120 million? Come on, meow. Yeah. Come on, meow. So let's switch to positive news. And this is one of those things where you have to understand that in order to create, sometimes you must first destroy. Okay. Divide and conquer. Divide and conquer. From the desert news. I know you're thinking, desert news? What in the actual fuck? How the hell did you come across this? How is this a resource? Because I'm crafty, bro. Yeah. That's how I came across this, okay? Look at you. Utah's most populated city, Salt Lake County has seen its first year-over-year decline in housing since 2011. Wow. Prices have now declined. In December, Salt Lake City's median single-family home price dropped to $541,900, 6% lower than the county's median price in December 2021. Damn. The housing market prices in Salt Lake City are now down 17% from May 2022's peak. Now, you said, how the hell did I come across this? Yes. I've been curious to see if the West Coast drops had moved east. Right. And I've been looking, different states in the news, trying to see if something like this would pop up. And here we are, Salt Lake City, Utah, a vastly different position than where they were a year ago. And And I'm starting to see, obviously a pretty significant fallout in other states just like this. It's not not unique to them, but certainly California had it, right? Mm-hmm. San Diego, but it San hasn't, Jose. it hasn't really hit the Midwest yet. hasn't really hit the Midwest, but it is getting there. It's starting to creep that way. That's the point. It's starting to creep that way. I see, what you're, I, I see what you're doing now. Look yeah. at you, man. See, I'm yeah. getting creative. Every yeah. Once in a while, I do some smart shit. It's yeah. by accident, but it's still <laughs> smart. So the next article, I don't know if you saw... Mm-hmm. From another random ass article from CBS 8. I don't even know who that is. <laughs> CBS 8? Where is this? I, I, I don't even know who it is, but it was what they were talking about that I thought was important. They were talking about Goldman Sachs forecast a 2008 sized crash in the San Diego housing market. That's too close to home, man. Too close to home, but we already heard San Jose is already negative. We know that's happening. That's Northern California. Right. We've already seen implications in the Pacific Northwest. Right. We haven't seen a ton in like the Las Vegas or Nevada regions in Arizona, certainly creeping that way. But now you're starting to see Utah, right? right. Mm-hmm. So you're starting to see the degradation across the country slowly but surely. But Goldman Sachs prediction, I love this one because it sounds a whole hell of a lot 
like some of the stuff that you and I have been talking about, the scorching hot housing market is finally cooling down and is expected to continue through 2023. The cool down, not the hot market, the yeah. hot market, just to be clear. Yeah, yeah. In a note to clients earlier, earlier this month, Goldman Sachs predicted San Diego, mm. San Jose, Austin, and Phoenix will see declines of more, more than 25%. That's insane. So now here you got California, Phoenix, Utah. You can see it's starting to hit the Midwest. Right. It's coming that way. Yeah, it's going that way. Exactly. And this, this, was not, um, this was not Goldman Sachs saying, well, we think it might happen. It's a possibility. <laughs> yeah. They're saying, no, this will happen. This will absolutely happen, yeah. So I look at... The wild part is they're still above their pre-pandemic levels if this oh, happens. Yeah. So yeah. Some, somebody, somebody DM'd me, and that's actually how I got this article. Somebody was like, hey, Chris, like, what do you think about this? Do you think it's true? I'm like, absolutely fucking true. I, yeah, I do. Mm-hmm. And they're like, oh, man. So here's here's the here's the 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 the, the bright side. Oh, Chris, you and Sider are so negative. Yeah, yeah. No, no, no. This is the pot yeah. of gold. Yeah. If you stayed this late into the show, forty-seven minutes in. Yeah. You know, you get some sunshine. There you that, go. That's how it just takes us. You know, a little bit of time to get warmed up. Yeah. You look very handsome today. And so do you. Thank you. Hair's See? looking great. Nice Your and hair's full. looking great. Yeah. You know, you don't look anywhere near as great as you normally do. Yeah. Really? Yeah. Oh, I like the salt and pepper look. Did though. you lose weight? Did, did I think you lost weight. I gained your weight. I took <laughs> no, it from you, you. No, you look great. For you. You look great. Yeah, I'm trying to do you a favor <laughs> yeah, for you. Yeah. Yeah, I've been eating everything you should be eating. Mm-hmm. Um, but so here's a pot of gold. Okay, number one, if you're looking for an opportunity to buy, it sounds like if you're in these markets, and frankly, if you're across the country and somewhere in the United States, you're going to get an opportunity to buy at a lower price than you would have last year. Right. If you've been able to hold off. If you've right. been able to hold off and you were smart. You might even get a decent rate given where the treasuries are going. Now, I do believe we're going to see higher interest rates. Mm-hmm. I do think as the, the yield curve comes out of its inversion and the two-year starts to price above the, I'm sorry, the 10-year tri- prices above the two-year, mm-hmm. you'll start to see mortgage rates creep out a little bit longer than they are now. You've seen some volatility where they've gone up and back down. And again, people always they lose sight of this. You'll see mortgage rates creep up as the Fed interest rate hikes tend to come around, leading up to the interest rate hike, not necessarily after it. Right. So the economy has a price in that 25 basis points. You'll see it this week. You'll start to see more uh, treasuries rise and mortgage rates rise. Mm-hmm. Okay, so that's happening. Don't lose sight of that. It may happen again in March. Right. And then they may hold rates for a prolonged period of time. But at some point in time, that inversion has to come out. The 10-year treasury will rise and mortgage rates will rise along with it, even though there's not a Fed interest rate increase. Wow. So what this means for you, the consumer, you might get the best deal you're going to see in the next year and certainly in the past year, coming up. Right. And what does this also mean for somebody who bought two years ago? You're still money good, bro. Your house on average across, like, for example, San Diego market, some areas, 46% increase in the last two years. Even if it goes down 25, let's say it goes down more than 25%, like the article says. It goes down 35%. You're still money good. Right. Everybody wins here, bro. You're not underwater. That's a rainbow. Right. Somebody clap for me. I don't yeah. care if you're driving. Put your Tesla on autopilot. Clap, goddammit. <laughs> right. But here's the problem. There's no problems. Like I, I, don't I, pee in the Cheerios. I got to pee a little bit. God damn it. Just, just, just a little bit. We're doing so, so good. A, a big That re- was the clip I was going to use for everybody to say, look, yeah, we're positive. Okay. For, for, hopefully they clipped it from there and now we, now we transition to this. So the problem with it is the, the reason why the prices haven't come down as much as we anticipate them doing so is because there's not a whole lot of inventory on the market. We've seen people haven't really lost their jobs. Okay. It hurts my feelings to know that you did not listen to the earnings call today because I talked about this. Okay. Well, I got something to say. 
I know. That's why you're talking. As you rudely interrupted me. I didn't rudely interrupt you're you. You're learning I'm a saying, lot from me. saying you hurt my feelings. No, I, I was going to. I had don't a lot, care about my I feelings. I had a lot going on today. We can get into no, that. We, we, we will oh, you're going to be an asshole. No, I'm not going to be an asshole. You're going to look really bad. I'm just saying. You're I gonna, played it for you before when you got look, here tonight. I know you heard it. You're going to look really bad. You're going to look but almost as bad listening. as your eyebrows. You're going to look almost as bad as your eyebrows. Bro, I don't do anything to my eyebrows. This is natural. That's the point. That's more hurtful than it is I did something to my eyebrows. That was the point. Jesus Christ. <laughs> He's so offended. He looked away. <laughs> okay. That's my one natural thing. I know. I know. <laughs> Everything else is fake. I know. Okay. So you may lose my train of thought. Okay. So if if the Fed if the Fed is predicting that unemployment is going to raise up to 4.6%, that means at least another million jobs are going to get lost. Yes. Absolutely. Yeah. So with those million jobs getting lost, I, I don't see people being able to find jobs at the rate that they have been doing. We think we cited recently on a previous episode, 70 some percent of people who lost their jobs have been able to find jobs again, right? Mm-hmm. Especially in the tech sector yeah, and, it's crazy. and FinTech. It's absolutely crazy. I don't anticipate that being uh, going on moving forward. Which is still a shitty situation. I feel bad for everybody losing their job. Absolutely. But, but that, that, is, pre- that is a, a, a strong reality. People right. are finding jobs much so faster. So if we're at 3.5% unemployment right now and the Fed is just predicting a mild 4.6% by the end of the year, that's a le- that's another million jobs. Okay, yeah. how many of these people own homes? How many uh, of these people aren't are not lot, gonna be able to yeah. find find jobs? We just cited earlier on the show, people don't have four hundred dollars to yeah. pay an expense. No, I hear you. So I mean, look, we know delinquencies are gonna go up. I mean, bankruptcy filings are gonna go up. Yep. I mean, and I would hate obviously I don't want to see this, but if people start losing their houses, that's when these prices really start to come down. I feel like there's part of you that does want to see that. No, I, there's no part of me that wants you to see that. You were very dude. overzealous on that. Like no. You were, you were very aggressive. I was not aggressive. You got mad I cut you off. You, were, you yeah, clearly you, wanted you to say this. You got so mad about your eyebrows. I was just joking. Because I'm very sensitive <laughs> to my eyebrows, bro. I could tell. I could tell. I'm old, man. <laughs> uh, no, I, look, I don't disagree. I think those things are going to rise. I don't think they're going to rise like they did in 2008 because so many people have low mortgage payments. So the people who yes. own homes will be less impacted, at least I hope. Mm-hmm. But I do think that you're going to see the stalemate that we're in now in the housing markets and the multifamily apartment complex markets that the people aren't trading. Mm-hmm. People are li- literally waited. And they're like, let me just wait and see. Mm-hmm. And a lot of them are going to wait as long as they can to refinance or to purchase or to sell because this market's weird and people don't feel comfortable doing stuff in a weird market. Mm-hmm. You can tell the consumer we're not in a recessionary economy, but here's what I'll tell you. Mm-hmm. Everybody's worried about the economy right now. Right. You don't have to call it a recession. Everybody's worried. Everybody's worried. Everybody's concerned. There's articles about eggs. You want to know why there's articles about egg prices going up? Because mm-hmm. people are fucking shocked. Right. People are concerned about their spending. People you know who, are. You want to know some? You know who else is shocked? Uh. Uh. <laughs> somebody at B of A is clearly not talking to Brian Moynihan. So <laughs> you're trying to trigger me right now. I know you're doing. I'm not playing listen. this game with you. So trying to trigger Bank me. of America's head of U.S. economics, Michael Gapin, is not talking to Brian Moynihan. Because Brian Gapin's coming out saying people will begin to lose their 175,000 jobs per month. And he expects a hard landing. <laughs> that's, what the, that's what this article says. Meanwhile, Brian, says, Brian Moynihan is at, at the World Economic Forum saying the consumer's in great shape. Right. They've got plenty of money in their savings. Yeah. And honestly, I, this is much ado about nothing. Right. I mean, this is kind of, this is crazy. They're losing 170, he's predicting, I think this is a, this is a little bit much, 175,000 uh, jobs per month starting in Q1 of 2023. That's, that's a lot, but that does get you to that million, you know, 
million job loss mark that we we're talking about to get to the 4.6 unemployment rate. So I look at an article like this that came from MoneyWise but was syndicated by Yahoo Finance. Mm-hmm. I gotta I, I gotta spend some time on the PR stuff. Maybe maybe intern Arun, Arun you're you're a marketing guy. Do you know why why Yahoo Finance syndicates an article from MoneyWise? Is this just them like syndicating news to get more leads to their site? Yeah, that's basically what they're doing. They're just pushing it out to different news sources because sponsored people do this all the time, where like a sponsored ad will go through someone like MoneyWise, but the sponsored part drops off when Yahoo Finance syndicates it. So that's how all these like people, like all these fake influences, get on Yahoo mm-hmm. Finance. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I was just morbidly curious. Yeah, it's it's the same thing they do with press releases. They'll push it out on their own site and then syndicate it to. Are you trying ones. to talk farther away from the mic or like it's literally <laughs> pointing at the wall? Is that what you're doing? <laughs> it was up my nose. <laughs> oh no. Dude, the sad part is the it was up my nose thing was the clearest thing you said all night long. <laughs> exactly. Like, <laughs> all right, is this better? Better, that yeah, that yeah. is much better. Now yeah. shut up so we can do the show. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, I don't know. So, I mean, he's expecting a hard, a hard landing. The premise is a harder landing rather than a softer one. Again, this fucking hard landing, soft landing, they're all recessions. Yeah. Nobody gives a shit. No, man. I mean, look, if there's a harder landing, what, is that, what does that hey, imply? Say, say, it implies a lot. Let me ask you a question. When you went to get your last car wash, did you ask for a soft car wash or a hard car wash? Yeah. You no, you asked for a car wash. Yeah. Wanna know why? <laughs> Either way, your shit's getting washed. Yeah. Right? I got some stuff on hard and soft, but I'm not gonna touch it with a ten foot pole. You should touch <laughs> it not... with a very ten foot pole. <laughs> no, you know what I mean? No, no, yeah, very, exactly. very ten foot. A lot of things people like hard than soft though, you know? But that's you, not the case for go, this. When you go to the bathroom and wash your hands afterward, yeah. Do you wash your hands softly or you wash your hands hard? Oh, soft, man. All day. But you still wash your hands. I wash my hands though. Either way, you're washing them dirty ass paws, yeah, right? Right. I'm just saying. A recession is a recession. You can call it a soft landing or yeah. a hard landing. It's still a recession you're landing Did into. Did you just lie to the people that you wash your hands when you leave the bathroom? I do, it depends. <laughs> like, if you go number two, like, we all universally agree you should be washing your hands. Always. If you're wiping and there's poo-poo, you can't have poo-poo on your <laughs> I, hands. How'd you, how'd you find a way to work this in? I, you brought it up. But, if but and this is a real story, okay, if you're a guy going number one and mm-hmm. you're standing at a urinal, Mm-hmm. Let's be real here. What? Be real. Do, do you, don't, do you, do you don't need do this. to wash your hands? Yes. You should wash your hands. Okay, why? Your hands didn't get dirty. Out you don't of, have bacteria on your ding-ding. Out, out of respect for everyone. Yes, you should wash no, your hands. Out of respect for everyone. So if I touch my ding-ding at any point during the day, mm-hmm. is my hands not dirty? What? Or you just don't like the visual of me doing that so it's gross to you? No, you have to wash your hands, dude. But Why? Because it's not right. People don't Why want, is it not right? People don't want to touch your hands after you touch your ding-ding. Okay so, okay, so here's the thing. Uh, here, I'll do this. I'll do this with you. You don't have to wash your hands after touching your ding-ding from using the bathroom, but you got to disclose it every time. Hey, I just left the restroom. I didn't wash my hands, but... Okay, let's take the ding-ding out of the picture. Let's just say your booty itches and you put your hand down your pants, you scratch your booty. Why? No, who's doing that? People do. Sometimes not, you can't get the scratch like no, outside the booty. You no, go never, booty. never done that. Never no, done that? Never done that. You're a fucking liar, I, sir. I have never done that. Everybody in the world has scratched inside on the booty at some point in time because some got itchy. Mm-mm. Oh, yeah? Want to watch this shit? Well, yeah. Fine. Intern? Of course I have. See? That's an honest that's, man. That's a lie. That's an honest man. That's a lie. Don't make him, don't make, don't make him the liar like He's you. just trying to get in, in your good favor. That's all that's he's trying not, to do. That's true. Yeah. Okay, you want to have this conversation? He wants to tag team against me. Do you pick your nose? <laughs> what? Yes, I do. You want to know why? Because basic fucking human instinct. Yeah. You got to do it. I say yes. People, I love people go like, Wait, no, I never pick my nose. You are a fucking liar. I can, I can scratch my booty outside my pants. 
No, it's not the same. Sometimes, the same. sometimes you need to get through the the fabric to get to the meat. This is gross. Well, you, uh, you better be disclosing. This is why you give people pink eye all the time. I haven't given anybody pink eye. Don't <laughs> Listen, do that. Come don't on. do that, Chris. I've never given anybody Chris. pink eye in my life. Come on, it'd be you brown eye if I gave it to him. Number one <laughs> and number two, I've never done it in my life. All I'm saying is, is like we've we've gotten so far over the deep end of like washing your hands. Right. Because let's be honest. What do you mean over the deep end? I don't think it's that crazy to ask people to wash your hands after using the restroom. Do you really want me to go here? Because nobody's died from a pee-pee in their mouth. What? Oh, I'm just saying. Yes, I'm people sure don't I, die from that. I bet, you, I, bet you, I bet you somebody has. People people don't die from bacteria you, from don't that. Make, don't make that me, isn't a bacteria thing. Don't make me have the I'm intern saying, Google this. Don't, don't, don't Google that. I don't want that on anybody's search history. Don't yeah. do that. Don't don't listen to him. Yeah. Put, put your fingers yeah, down. Yeah. This, stop. Is, this isn't the Joe Rogan experience. Yeah, is, yeah we, we don't get paid at all for <laughs> yeah, this. Yeah, Joe so, Rogan, Joe Rogan, Joe Rogan. Yeah, <laughs> but that being said, I'm just saying, like people, it's not bacteria that's killing people. Okay, yeah. I don't. Yeah, I mean, for some people, it does. Okay, let's let's just go away from PBs and, and graphic stuff because I don't want to get canceled. But let's just okay. This paper ass gasket that you put down whenever you my stupid watch is even this, <laughs> like you talking about. PBs? I told you, I told you, this is my PB alarm. <laughs> Stop talking about next. <laughs> this this. Paper, this wax paper ass gasket that we put down when we go number two, uh huh, that does not make you feel better about yourself, does it? What? Oh, what? The cover over the toilet seat? Yeah, the, the uh -huh. wax paper ass gasket. Yeah, you have to. What do Bro, you mean? What is that protecting you from? What are you talking about, dude? You've never. You don't know what kind okay. of. I've, no, I have no, never. No, 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 no. In my don't adult be this life, guy. hold on. In my adult life, I have never used. You've never um, raw dogged it. Never raw dogged it. <laughs> Come on now. I, I swear That's to God. Arun, you've raw dog. Hold on, hold on. All the time. 100%, right? Yeah. yeah. All the time? Bro, Wait, hold you, on. You're not going to die from Listen, touching someone's ass. Okay, we can well, no longer. It's long not even that. It's like someone pees on the toilet seat. Yeah. Like, I get that. I understand where you're coming from. No, but, but dude, there's all kinds of bacteria on there that you can't see. What fucking bacteria is coming from someone's outside of the rim of their ass? I'm not talking asshole. Oh, you don't know. There are some dirty like, ass people poop out there. Who doesn't fly out to the toilet seat this sides? Y'all are gross. Honestly, I, I, do, I do not co sign any of this. <laughs> Unbelievable. Saying, are you doing this for the Ratings, no, I'm, not doing for the, I'm just asking are you, you doing a fair this? question. I guarantee you, most people who listen to the show are gonna be like, "Listen, that's a lie." That wax paper ass gasket makes you feel better about life, but it ain't protecting you. Side, I'm 36 years old. I'm, I've never gotten sick. My ass has never had a rash. You don't know. Never that. had a rash. You, know, bro, you do have can, gout though. Can this, that's, I mean, can this, that, can this that guy could have come from? Can pooping. this guy bend over and look, look, and look to see? <laughs> uh, let's be honest. Like, all I'm saying is, is, is you are not being honest with yourself. You're being disingenuous. What? No, I'm not. About what? You, know, you can't. You can't tell me that wax paper ass gas makes you feel better about life. It does. It makes me feel a lot better about life. So if you had to go someplace and that wasn't there, mm -hmm. in the toilet seat, in the little like I would ass not, gas, I, I would not use it. You wouldn't use it. I wouldn't use it. You just had to if I if I had to if it, if it was dire situation, I would squat. You military? You can't function that way. What do you mean? No, you're you're a man, bro. Listen, man. I could do ass to grass. No, you can't. Yes, I can. But I, know. I put my feet on top of the toilet seat and then I'll ass to grass squat. And boom. Have you, you ever just, done that? Just like I'm from no. the, have you ever done that? Just like I'm from the motherland. Yeah. You're, you've never done that before. Yes, I have. You stood on a toilet seat? Yes. Bro, if, if, if the toilet looks that filthy as it is, why does they care if my if my shoe print's on there? I rest my weirdo case right now. That's yeah. that's It makes you a complete weirdo. Bro, I would not. If, if the toilet if the toilet looks... That's like cartoon character shit. Uh, <laughs> like you can't, you can't. I am not the only that. person that's done. You this. are the only person who's. Done I can't that. believe we're talking. There's about not this. a single person who's ever going to listen <laughs> to this podcast. Honestly, you know what you need to do? Say, what? You need to hold yourself to a higher standard. I, I am holding myself. Don't do that. Don't don't throw the show in this. Yeah. You did this. You asked me the question first. I did not. I got another question while we're at it. Okay. You ever go number two? Look down, and what look at your poo poo. No. You're while, a liar. No. While I'm liar. while I'm pooping, you always everybody every human looks at their poop. No. Yeah. After after. Well, no, after you can't, I, you can't see it after because you wipe. 
It, oh. oh, you probably don't wipe because you're dirty birdie, huh? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. That's always, what it's about. No, no, no. I, I always wipe and I always look. But that means, yeah, you're right. Sometimes I can't see it because I wipe. You look at you, That's not. No. no. What, what do you mean? You got to look every time. It's human no, nature. I do. I, I do look. Everybody I'm not saying I'm not, I, I, I take a glance. If I can see, I see. If I can't, I can't. Wow, you don't, you don't make sure to look before you put the paper down there? Why? No. What's it going to do? We've had this discussion before. You flip-flop on this so much. No. You say er, everyone's a liar if you don't look at your poo. But then you. But then in another episode, you said that, what, you're some scientist? You can tell if you have a healthy poop or you don't have a healthy poop? Yeah, because I look at it. No, but you can't tell. How do you know the difference between a healthy poop? I know there's a healthy poop, but I still look. It's just human nature to look. Yeah, I look too. And if I can see it, I see it. If I can't, I can't. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. That seems, that seems very disingenuous. Nothing, no, I'm being 100% genuous. Because I'm just walking to the logistics here, okay? If you have to poop with the ass gasket, mm-hmm. at what point... <laughs> <laughs> the ass gasket? Yeah, it seals your ass. <laughs> so at what point... Why wouldn't you, though? Why? I don't understand. So why are you standing why, up and turning why, around looking? Why are you so lazy or you, you don't want to protect yourself? Just that extra layer of protection. It's not about lazy to protect myself or not. I'm just saying, it, you, I asked you the question, does it make you feel safe? You said yes. It makes me it, feel better about the situation. Why? It's another layer in between me and the dirty toilet seat. Okay, let me explain something to you right now, okay? Okay. And I know it's going to ruin your world. Don't do this. Right? I'm sorry. <laughs> Don't. Okay, I'm just going to tell you right now. Right. That thing doesn't cover the whole seat. No. I've yet to see an ass gas that actually covers the whole seat. By the time you sit down on it, All right, so I'm it take, is shifted. Yeah, but I'm, I'm, I'm going to take, take it a step further. This is what I do. Let me, get, let me kick some game. God damn it. This is going to be so bad. Take some, you take some toilet paper, you roll it up, and you cover the toilet seat first, and then you lay that on top. That and so it doesn't move around. I do both. I do. This I do both. Why those. it takes you forty five minutes to take shit. This is yeah. This is why I miss those meetings at work. You light time. candles and stuff too. <laughs> no, I don't like light, candles. Light, light some wood on fire. No. Yeah. Yeah. The what? what, what In is, terms what? of preventing illness and transmission of infectious disease, there's no real evidence that toilet seat covers do that, says Doctor William Schaffner. A professor of preventative medicine at Vanderbilt School of Medicine. This I is, rest my case, this Arun. Is, this is confirmation bias. You are the bias. new co-host. You, you, sir, Saeed. This is conf- this is you conf- should go take a shit because you're full of shit right now. <laughs> this is this is confirmation bias, right? He's just sir. Yeah, yeah, he is. He literally he asked the question: How beneficial are toilet seat covers? And that's what came up. You know why Google's so amazing? Time no, no, they, no. This is no, why this is why Google's on. so amazing. They had 103 million answers to that question. Bro, that's from Time. It doesn't get any better than that. It's from time? Time is a reliable Come ass on, source. Time is like Forbes, right? Come on. No, time, you cannot buy articles in time. I've tried. <laughs> <laughs> Tell you right now. Right. You asked, should I use a toilet cover, toilet seat cover from uh, the public health section? Yeah, but, yeah, there's, bro, but you, there's no evidence. Bro. There's no also no evidence the, uh, to the contrary. There's that it doesn't have evidence. There's plenty of evidence to the contrary. No, what do you mean? <laughs> no, I doesn't. just gave you evidence. You can't you know, cover the whole the toilet thing. seat with the ass the You know why? There's no evidence. To, there's no real evidence that toilet seat covers do that. Is because they're not testing people's asses, dude. Click on the what is the health benefits of toilet seat covers link too. Why not? Why not? How are you gonna? Me? How would you even test this? Uh, what are the health benefits of toilet seat covers? Quality toilet seat covers offer security from germs and dirt that may be present, may be present in public restrooms. And let's face it. The appearance of your business's restroom goes a long way in the confidence customers have of you and your business. I, like, I want that confidence. Yeah. I need that confidence, baby. Oh, my God. See? This is what we're doing now. You know what? And uh, that's okay. If it makes you feel better about your life. It does. It makes you feel a lot better. Speaking of your life, today was a tough day for you, huh, Chief? Today was a tough day. It was a, it was a, scary, it was a scary day. Luckily, you know, it's all, it's all been put behind us now. Uh, from has it do you feel good yeah we feel we feel a lot better especially after speaking to you so to give um the listeners a little bit of a backstory 
several months ago. I think we we talked about it on the podcast, but we've gained some listeners since then, like yeah. five or ten. Give them a little backstory. A little backstory. Um, my wife was on her way to work and she was turning, and somebody ran a red light and and hit her, and car flipped around, and she ended up in the hospital. And at her stay at the hospital, when they were checking everything, they did a CT scan. And in that CT scan, they found um, a tumor in her brain. Uh, so the doctor recommended, you know, let's monitor this six months from now. You should go back and get it checked again to make sure that, you know, sizing was okay. So today we had a visit at the imaging center at the hospital. And it was, it was pretty stressful leading up to this because you never know what, what could happen. You know, you never know what this means and, you know. Kudos to my wife. She she's been handling it very very well, and she um, took took it like a champ. You know, didn't bring any any of her stress onto the kids, onto me. Still had a smile on her face every single day. Never complained once about it. But you can tell, you can tell it was on her mind. Um, so we went to the imaging center, and results came back today, and looks like it was it's just a uh, I don't even know how to pronounce it properly. It's a what is it, Chris? A lipoma? <laughs> Did I pronounce that right? I love it. You can't say it. Lipoma. 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 Yeah, it's a lipoma, which is ba- basically a benign fat tumor. And so this tumor was found in the center of her brain. Which so, I didn't even know they could grow there. I guess because the brain is mostly fat, right? Like it's, mm-hmm. it's, it's that kind of makes sense. But I, I've had one in my arm. Yes. Um, and they're not they're not that uncommon. A lot of people have them. They just don't see them. Right. Yeah. Exactly. So. Uh, it's actually in the center of her brain. So unfortunately, this thing could still technically grow. And even though it's benign, the placement of where it is in her brain, it can never actually be removed um, because it, it could too much risk, right? Could cause some damage. But uh, I guess there, there are benign fat tumors that can grow anywhere, right? But luckily, it didn't grow in size and everything is okay for now. For so, now? Yeah, Ominous. Huge, yeah. Huge sigh of relief. God, God knows I wouldn't be able to raise these kids without her. It's crazy. And then you were the one who told me how, how normal they were to have it. Like just yeah, actually, that was another thing. Doctor told her, you know, uh, chances, a lot of people have tumors in their brains. They're walking around every day. They have no idea. A lot of people are born with them. And my mom also, my mom has three. My mom has three of them, and uh, they're benign. And people walk around every day, and they don't know that they have them, and a lot of people are actually born with them. Yeah, which is crazy to me. Yeah, I no, I no I wonder idea. if they get bigger or smaller, like, like like lipomas in the arm, but generally speaking, they like they don't get like huge. But mm-hmm. I mean, there's some of them that do. Right, but can you imagine like how many how many times this probably happens at the hospital, or people go in for something? Let's say like a car accident, they get all this scanning and testing done, and then they come across something. You got a brain tumor. Yeah, and not <laughs> deal with it. You know, it's like good luck, but it's like it's like a blessing in disguise too, because hopefully you catch something early enough before any symptoms actually kick in. That was the other thing we felt pretty positive going into it. She didn't have any symptoms. Going no blurred vision, no dizziness, none of that, you know? So, mm. but still, that stuff is a scary, man. You never know what could happen. It's really hard to make funny with this topic. <laughs> it's very, it's, it's okay, man. You're not liked already by the it's, listeners. It's, okay. it's, it's, it's <laughs> really putting me off. I want to make like a lot of jokes and I can't do it. Yeah. Can I tell the joke that happened earlier? You know, <laughs> can I do that? Oh, yeah, you should do that. Can I? Yeah, of course. My All wife right. knows you're an asshole. <laughs> <laughs> so. I'm gonna take a rune off mute for this just because I know I know he's gonna do his chubby snort laugh. Um, so <laughs> there it is. <laughs> so we were talking about about this, and somehow you get a text from your wife with 
the upcoming babies was it the mammogram or a sonogram Correct. Yeah. sonogram? Correct. And uh you know that mic's supposed to be by your face, right? Yeah. Like this is very difficult for you, I can tell. You said correct, like it's an interview. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Correct. Yeah, correct. Yep, you're right. It's yep. correct. Yep. So I get the picture of it, and I think that this is the scan that your wife had today. <laughs> yeah, he sends it over with no context. And it's like this, this black bubble with a baby in the middle of it, but it was small. It came through my phone. Small I'm, baby. Like, we're talking like 10, 11 weeks, right? Yeah. Correct. Yeah. And correct. Stop saying God damn it. <laughs> That one was on purpose. Come on. And yeah. I look at Saeed, and I'm like, this is your wife's brain? Yeah. God damn, that's big. <laughs> <laughs> like, it's a big ass tumor. I'm like, that's not a lipoma, bro. I know, man. It looks like it's alive. I know. <laughs> <laughs> it's waving. It's waving. It's saying hi. Hey, yeah. Chris is like, get a second opinion, bro. <laughs> you, your doctor lied to you, bro. Yeah. Like, it's not. <laughs> I know what a lipoma looks like. It doesn't have arms. <laughs> right. Yeah. So you, you actually had yours removed. Yeah, the one on my arm. Yeah. 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 I did something that really like bruised the area really badly, and because it's like a surrounded by fat, mm-hmm. it had some blood in the area too. So it, yeah, I just took it out. Oh, got a nice little scar right there. Oh, no big deal. <laughs> yeah, scar, huh? NBD. Yeah, chicks dig scars. Chicks dig scars. Only one who sees it is my wife, though. I love you, honey. Yeah. And you. Yeah, I love you too. There you go. Yeah. Yeah. Jinx. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, before we start making out or going to take uh, unprotected poops. <laughs> we should call it a wrap for this particular episode, but next one should be interesting because a lot of data coming out. Yeah? Like what? Like, I have no idea. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you know, hoping to have that. What to look for next week? Well, by, by the time we do our next episode, no, the FOMC meeting won't, won't have happened yet. No, it won't have yet, but we should do a prediction around that one. Oh, come on, man. We got that. No, 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 no. Not, not the pred- I think it's going to be 25 basis points, but I think we should do a prediction about what the, the market's reaction will be. Oh. Undercook, overcook. Undercook, overcook. Yeah. Um, I think I think it'll be positive because it it'll be a drop off from the last one of the fifty basis points, right? So slowing think, the Fed policy down. Yeah, yeah, slowing it down. So it's like okay, things are heading in the right direction, right? It's like okay, it's, this is the natural because you can't go from a fifty basis point hike to nothing, right? So they're gonna go at least another twenty five, at least, and so it's headed to the right direction, and it'll lead people to believe that maybe some point this year they'll start to cut rates again, which I, I don't, my prediction, I'm already coming out on that. They're not cutting rates this year. Mm-hmm. Um, so that, I think it'll be positive though for the, for the markets. I tend to agree no rate cuts this year, but I will say, I think, um, I think a lot of the rhetoric that we're seeing has ulterior motives. The, the positive spin about rates and, you know, now's a dip, you should buy now. And mm-hmm. I think all of that will start to be drowned out a little bit. And as we start to see the treasuries rise in the next couple of days, although not as bad, granted as the last nine Fed interest rate increases, um, I, I think you wind up in a situation where we start to see mortgage rates creep back up uh, much higher than people think. Mm-hmm. And the the happy, happy, joy, joy days are going to come to a slow, painful halt as people start to realize that even if the Fed doesn't increase interest rates in March, holding interest rates through 2023 means that there's going to be some stabilization, time to stabilize, which mm-hmm. is really what they're going to do. And I think that that combined with the looming real estate data and the next unemployment print, which will not be good now that the seasonal and part-time jobs are out of the equation. Right. I, I think the, the shock is going to start to set in. Yeah. A lot of what we had, we had people scared on their heels a little bit. They were worried about a recessionary economy, but the shock hasn't set in. Well, this is what Michael Berry is also predicting. 
Wow, so, you went right back into it, huh? Well, I mean, something that we should know. I mean, I feel like if someone like Michael Berry speaks, it's it's noteworthy. Oh man, we did the we, big short. We there was there wasn't really a place in the show for us to to bring it up, but we'll we'll keep it short. So Michael Berry, the guy from the Big Short. I just said that. Yeah, famously known uh, for predicting you know the Great Recession, uh, made a parallel to the dot com bubble and aftermath of nine eleven to now, mm-hmm. right? Uh, something from the article. The investor who usually expresses himself in cryptic messages on January twenty third tweeted a graph of the S and P five hundred over the period from. September 2000 to the beginning of 2003. He circled the period from September 2001 to April 2002. During the circled period, the S&P 500 managed to stabilize somewhat after having been in continuous decline from a high in se- of September uh, 1st, 2000 um, at 1,530 points. Between September 2001 and April 2002, the S&P 500 managed to rise twice uh, but then followed four months of decline. So this this section, we're going to link this in the show notes. He circled this section and all he captioned it was with maybe. And what people are alluding to is maybe this is the se- this is where we're at right now. Clearly, it's more art than science. Yeah, exactly. And economists, they just don't know. No, this guy doesn't know. But I don't understand why he deleted it. Is he known? I think he's known for doing that. He'll he'll post stuff like this and then delete it, taking a page out of Kanye. No, ha. <laughs> the word for Kanye. Look yeah. where he's at now. Um, I think it has more to do with the fact that a lot of these very polarizing economists can become, and I'll use their words, like a broken clock, like Peter Schiff, mm-hmm. where they're just constant doom, 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 doom. And literally, Noriel Rubini's nickname is Dr. Doom. Right. I think a lot of them get criticized for some of the negativity. So if you do something like this, which just is an, is an example from a data chart, it's not concrete enough in and of itself from a trend perspective for you to have any valid data. He's probably not wrong in making the corollary in the example. Mm-hmm. But what I would say is, is that there's no real value in leaving something like that out there, especially when it can be easily disproved because recessionary economies are like snowflakes. Yeah. I don't think he's wrong. I think I think the, the, the comparison is probably very accurate. Yeah, the stock market jump is a mirage. And that's part of what Jamie Dimon has said and so many other people about where the market's at. They said there's 20%, 20, 25% more down to go. Mm-hmm. So it doesn't, doesn't surprise me. Yeah. The only question I have left for you is, is did you have your pre-Scion greens? God damn, they're good. Once a day. Every day? Every day. First thing in the morning. Dude, I'm being dead serious. I've been mixing in um, five milligrams of creatine in mine. Really? Yeah. I, I always throw my creatine with my uh, protein. It's non-flavored, so. Really? You actually, yeah. I've heard... I've heard mixed things on this, but uh, I think a little bit of carbohydrate shuttles it to your your cells a little better. Mind pump, guys, I've said it's it's minuscule. Yeah, it is minuscule. Yeah. That's a T vocabulary. You're welcome. Yeah, mind pump, mind pump. Yeah, mind pump, mind pump, mind pump. Yeah. And, oh, by the time the next show airs, we'll have the live, which is tomorrow with Adam. Yeah, we got to do a better job of promoting. Tipping them out? Yeah. I've been, it's my bad. I've been so kind of behind the eight ball. He has been too. He's been moving and everything else. We've been busy. I'm looking forward to it. Those are always really good. Yeah, you're going to be in the studio for that? I would like to be. Really? Yeah. Huh. Well, you should come in now. I'll be here. Yeah, I'll Tomorrow, be here. 3 p.m. Let's do it. All right. Well, well bye, everybody. <laughs> Just like that. Yeah. Good night, everybody. I hope you enjoyed today's conversation on the Higher Standard Podcast. Make sure to hit subscribe or follow on whatever platform you are listening to this on. If you like this episode, please write a review and share it with us. You're getting the show up and running right now, so every message, every review, and every note counts. 
This show exists to showcase what's possible when leaders decide to uphold a higher standard for their businesses, their investments, their families, and most importantly, themselves. If you want to see more of my content, I post daily on Instagram, TikTok, and YouTube. So be sure to follow me on your favorite social media platform. And with that, it is a wrap. And as always, I look forward to hanging with you all on the next episode.